What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rose, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Dew Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith, joined as always by my co-host Derek Terry of the Cats Paws. Derek, Cats got a big win in Knoxville. We're back to kind of wrap that up and talk about what's up, what's coming up next for this Kentucky team. Yeah, uh, phenomenal win, really all around. Hard to find anything to be unhappy about on uh, Saturday. Get another embarrassing streak off your back. Uh, Mark Stoops, personally for him, ties Frank Kersey all-time, uh, second win. So has a chance this Saturday to be sole possession, second place in all-time victories at UK. So uh, I checked out Twitter and stuff Saturday and even until today, uh, 24-7 sports. actually had Stoops as a head coach of the week in the country last week. So more pub coming from him after a game that I think really raised some eyebrows across the country. It did, it, and the the way that they won that game and the fashion that they won it in, it, it wasn't close. The only reason at any point in that game that you and I and others felt like Kentucky would lose was just the history. Yeah. If you were actually just looking at the way Kentucky was playing and the way that they were just imposing their will, especially in the third quarter there, uh, Tennessee never had a shot in that game, Derek, after Kentucky grabbed that momentum early in the game. No, they didn't. I mean, you know... I... I've read a lot, a little bit from our 24-7 side on. Of course, we had West Rocker on last week. If you guys listen to that episode, I tried to – I do it really with every team. It's not just Tennessee. I like reading perspective from other teams, riders, things like that. I do think the narrative out of Knoxville is much more that Tennessee beat itself. Uh, there was some conceding that the second half was an absolute beatdown on UK's end. But I can understand that line of thinking. Um, if I was covering UK and Terry Wilson threw two pick sixes, like – what do you think we would have been talking about right away after the game? Probably the same thing. So I get it from their perspective. Um, one one little thing I don't agree with that I've seen more than one place, and I want to get your opinion on this. It seems like some Tennessee fans are putting this loss up there with uh, Georgia State and BYU. And that that's a level of disrespect that maybe UK has earned in that series because it has struggled so bad against Tennessee. But that's a ridiculous comparison. Like, over the last five years, Kentucky and Tennessee fans might not want to hear this. Like, Kentucky is just as good of a program as Tennessee has been the last five years. Matter of fact, they've actually had, if you're comparing single seasons, UK's 2018 year is better than any year Tennessee has had, uh, I guess, the whole last decade. So that's a little bit ridiculous, but it does feel like Kentucky kind of broke the spirit down there. And we're going to get into, Sean, later something that happened at Tennessee actually last night, kind of as a result of this game. Yeah. We are going to get into that, and you know, Mark Stoops had a comment on it, and he really didn't shy away from it. It was interesting to see, but let's just go ahead and just get that out there, what we're talking about. So Jimmy Brumbaugh, uh, Kentucky, or I'm sorry, Tennessee's co-defensive coordinator, defensive line coach, 
was fired today. That started circulating on Sunday. Mark Stoops mentioned that he didn't know if it was true or not, so he didn't kind of fill it out or text anybody that he knows at Tennessee. But, Derek, it's a, a very strange thing to do to fire your co-defensive coordinator and your defensive line coach following a 34-7 loss to Kentucky four games into his tenure there. He just got hired during the offseason. That's, that's kind of unbelievable that it happened. And I guess they're just going to eat his salary. But, yeah, Stoops talked about it. Of course, Brumball was here, part of his original staff, stayed here through the 2016 season. Um, like you had said, he'd been at Maryland since then, got hired by Tennessee in the offseason. I would guess as a result, really, of Derek Ansley uh, being the defensive coordinator there. Of course, those two also work together at Kentucky. But, yeah, I saw Pruitt's going to be coaching the defensive line this year for the rest of the season. So I think he said it was like a philosophical – I don't think he used the word disagreement, but something weird had to have happened to get canned after four games. I mean, that seems like a drastic decision to be made at this point in time. And I don't know if it's because Pruitt's feeling heat or what. I don't think Brumball's going to be the last guy, but to do it in the middle of the year is, is very, very, very rare. It is, and to do it, you know, of course, after that loss and things, it, it seems like the heat is definitely turning up in Knoxville, Derek. Um, a week and a half ago, we were sitting here wondering, you know, if Tennessee football was going to be a contender in the Eastern Division, and what I saw Saturday, they're they're not close. Like, they're just, they're still, and even, and Wes went full in on it. I don't know if you read his column or not Saturday. I, yeah. it, I thought it was a I thought it was a very well written column and I thought it was fair given everything that he actually compared Jarrett Garantano to a lawnmower that they needed to let go and get something else to come in and mow the yard. Uh but what does Tennessee do in that situation, Derek? It, it clearly a lot of people still believe that Garantano is the best option. Tennessee's in a really bad spot right now at quarterback. It at a position that is, if you're ever going to make that next jump in the SEC and get back to where they want to be, that it has to be at that position. Yeah, it does have to be. Um, Shroud only got to throw that one pass, and he got picked off. So it's they're in a weird spot because they have to play Alabama this week. If they had been playing, I don't know, Vanderbilt or somebody like that, they might have just gone ahead and rolled with Shroud or Harrison Bailey. But I think – it's one of the few times I remember UK kind of – I'm not going to say they broke Tennessee's program. They didn't. It's just the fourth game of the year. Like, there's still plenty of opportunities for Tennessee to turn this thing around. But, like, that is a very eye-opening loss, I think, for Tennessee. The way it played out because, I mean, just think about, like, how quick this thing's changed for them. Like, two weeks ago they were talking about still competing for the East, like beating Georgia. They have a bad second half against Georgia and getting blown out. And then against Kentucky, I mean, that game – was basically not close after halftime. There was a goal line stand in that Georgia game on the final yeah. series of the first half that Tennessee took the lead into the half against Georgia, at Georgia. And since that, it has not been the same result like at all. Tennessee has absolutely got destroyed. Is it seven points is all they've scored? Was it the seven Saturday? Because they didn't, did they score in the second half against Georgia? No, they didn't score no, not in the second half. I mean, speaking of that, UK is outscoring its last two opponents, I think, 58-9, to nine, and they've not topped 300 yards of offense in either game. How incredible is that? It, this defense is one of the better <laughs> units in the SEC. Derek, this is the defense that you and I were on the phone a lot during COVID quarantine and all that stuff. All those days we really didn't have anything to do. We were on the phone yeah. talking about all these guys that Kentucky had on defense. And the first two weeks of the season, I think that's why – not only were we frustrated, we had Chris Doring on, we had Jacob Hester, all these guys were frustrated 
because this is the Kentucky defense that everybody thought they'd see with so many guys coming back, all the talent. And there were, Derek, I said it Saturday on the postgame show, and I watched, I saw it again last night when I rewatched the game. There's so many names that stood out to me, and it's young guys. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I agree with you. I mean, it kind of makes you think, and I talked about this a little bit on the phone with one of my uh, friends earlier today, that maybe if they could have had that normal schedule, and it's always hard to say what would have happened. I mean, that's that's the fun of it, I guess. But the way Auburn's played and the way Kentucky started to turn it on, you kind of wonder if they could have had a few of those tune-up games that maybe that result down there would have been different. I don't know. Um but this last two weeks is, I mean, just Jordan Rogers said it on the broadcast, just ball hawks back there. Joseph had a pick six. That was a nice play. Asian's pick was, I thought, a really good play. And, of course, Davis's pick was very nice as well. Uh, and then his return just kind of capped that off. But overall, um, a thing that I don't think it goes unnoticed per se, but it's two straight games they've been able to work some more younger guys in. And that was always going to be a challenge this year in an SEC schedule whenever you felt like you'd be playing a lot of games. Well, it's two straight games, at least for a little bit. They've had the game well enough in hand that they could get some young guys some reps. So the defense, tip your hat to Brad White, because, I mean, that was a group that looked very, very overrated uh, two weeks into the season. And now they're at a point where it's, it's, it's more like it. Now, are they going to be able to keep up this kind of turnover differential? Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, four, four turnovers a game is a lot. But – you can see the talent on defense enough to expect one to two a game. And if they can just do that, and Kentucky can convert that on offense, I think you're looking at a pretty tough team. Um, maybe not, you know, still, still probably pretty heavy underdogs in the Georgias and Alabamas of the world, but some of those other games, I think uh, I think you got to feel good about their chances. Well, we were talking with, uh, with Hester a week ago, and I remember, you know, saying, what does Kentucky have to do to get to five and five? And I said even six and four, and you said no chance, no chance. Yeah, Remember when? Yeah. You, but you were talking about getting above five hundred. There's a path now, Derek, that if they take care of business against yeah. Missouri, Vandy, South Carolina, and if they can pull an upset against, it, let's say, a Florida late in the season, because I feel like of the three, Florida, Georgia, Alabama, I honestly think Florida would be their best shot if you're if you're going to pull an upset. Yeah, I'm still going to say improbable on that. I still think it's pretty unlikely uh, just because I think week to week. I mean, I think this weekend might be a bit of a challenge, really, getting these guys back focused, going on the road in a game that you weren't really expected to go on the road in. Like, I think this one might have some, some. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. I mean, Missouri just Well, this is the challenge. This is the challenge. And and Missouri also had another week to prepare for Kentucky, you know. Yeah, and Georgia will get the same. And that's that's the thing. But, you know, the challenge this week to me is, okay, you got a big win. You've you've broken history. Stoops, he's not a big on streaks. He said today, you know, that the Missouri streak, he doesn't even know what it is. It's just another game now uh, that this year is the only thing that matters, and it's, it's true. Uh, but it's important also to have these streaks. That's what's got Kentucky, you know, yeah. to this point. Uh, but you mentioned the defense, nine picks, nine picks. It's incredible. It is completely – but the best pick – of the weekend was Dalton's pick. He went to the Butcher's Pub, and he had the buffalo chicken sandwich, Derek. He sent me a picture of it Saturday night and told me it was the one of the best suggestions ever, like good suggestion. Uh, make it out to the Butcher's Pub, one location in Pineville, one in Williamsburg. Uh, get out there this week, wing Wednesday, try that buffalo chicken sandwich that Derek's brother, he texted me about it. I'm sure. Uh, I had it as well. 
Oh, you were there too? See, I didn't yeah. know. You didn't even tell me you've been to the pub. What? Well, I, thought, I thought once Dalton told you that, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. Me, him, and Abby went out there Saturday night real quick. And well, I also had the buffalo. Chi- I had the buffalo chicken sandwich as well. Abby had the baked mac and cheese and uh, had a pretzel. I, I forget the two. It was beer cheese and something else that came with it. But I would definitely give my recommendation to the Butcher's Pub. Sean, I think you hit up the Pineville location, right? I don't I don't make it up that way. I stopped in Williamsburg on the way back to uh, Corbin. And, uh, I've good never, spot. It really I've is. never been to the Williamsburg one. That's actually on my list to get to that one at some point. But it's it's good to hear great things about both locations. Uh, one will be coming to London, Kentucky pretty soon, right there off I-75, Derek. So it's going to be a more convenient location for a lot of our listeners if they can get out to that one. But the Butcher's Pub, can, sure. they continue to be the title sponsor for Kentucky Daily. And I'm excited to see where this partnership goes. We're planning on recording an episode there at some point. Once things are normal, we'll probably do a couple throughout the football season and the basketball season. Yeah, I know. I don't know about the one in Pineville, but this place in Williamsburg has a little stage. So perhaps we could get up there one day, get some UK fans in there, and and record our show. Talk to you know maybe have some some questions from the crowd, things like that. We'll have to plan it out, but. Yeah, definitely a place you guys should get out and check if you're in that area in southeastern Kentucky. I think the biggest news today is we talked to Mark Stoops this morning, and we got an update on Quentin Bohanna. And I think you will agree with me, when he was down on the field, took his helmet off, he he was in a lot of pain. You and I thought all weekend that he was done, that that was it. I think we all in media, and I think even the fans included, thought that they wouldn't see Quentin Bohanna take the field at Kentucky again this season, and possibly not again. I don't know. But Mark Stoops did say that he avoided a major injury, and but he is going to be out for a bit, is what Stoops quoted. Uh, what do you make of that news? Yeah, I thought it was concerning whenever I hey, – actually, props to UK. They had the depth chart up a little bit earlier today, so I was able to view it before Stoops ever started, and he wasn't listed. And typically that's not a good sign because take, for example, a guy like uh, – so they did take smoke off last week, but at the same time a guy like Brendan Bates who we knew wouldn't be available for a few weeks, like he remained. So it's a little hit or miss. Typically you have to for sure, you know, be out. And that's that's the deal of Bohanna. And uh, really good news for him that it wasn't a any significant tears. It sounds like probably a sprain or something like that. It's going to keep him out. I would say a good target, target date for him to get him back would be – I guess after the bye week, I'm sure he's not going to play against Georgia. And that's a, it's a really big loss against them, assuming he can't play against the Bulldogs. But overall, I think you've got to be happy that it wasn't as serious as, as what it might have seemed uh, on Saturday. Yeah, and that's a position that Marquand McCall is going to get a great opportunity now, Derek, to kind of emerge and Justin Rogers behind him. So it's an area where there's there's a lot of talent at that nose guard position. This is an ex- this is a position that Kentucky's done an excellent job recruiting over the last few years. Yeah, it is. Uh, I kind of thought there might have been a inclusion of Josiah Hayes there with Rodgers just because those two have kind of split snaps up to this point. Um, they'll for sure both play, no question about that. But McCall, this is really the first time in his career. I know I think against Florida, maybe Bohanna went down early a couple years ago. Actually, the game that Kentucky won. And Marquine got to play a little bit there, but they still had Tommy DeBose at that time. So this is really, I would say, Bohanna's first chance in his career to, to be the guy at nose guard. And maybe this would be a preview of things to come for next season. But 
Uh, let's let's hit a few more depth chart things here, Sean, just before we move on to our next topic. Uh, yeah. Michael Drennan and Isaiah Cummings, two freshmen who have been playing. I think Cummings Cummings has maybe played in every single game this year. He's not had any passes thrown to him. He is listed as the backup with Cleveland Thomas at uh, one of the spots. And then Mike Drennan, who I think is very obviously about to become a, a much bigger part of this offense. Yeah. He's also listed as a backup. He got in in the first quarter against uh, Tennessee. Played quite a bit. Only had one pass thrown to him there in the fourth. He caught it. I am guessing you'll see him become a, a pretty big part of this offense in the coming weeks. Yep. That's a, that's a name that they've been just sneaking in at times, and now it looks like that he's ready to – Derek, it could be by the end of the year, he could become a big-time target for Terry and whoever the quarter, whoever the quarterback is at any point. Uh, it's a, it's definitely an encouraging thing to see him getting as many snaps as he did. He he was in in key positions and key spots in the game too, Derek. That's the that's the other thing. Same thing with Jaton McLean, getting there in that key drive in the third quarter. There's a lot of young guys to be really encouraged about, and a lot of young guys played late Saturday. Mark yeah. Stoops did say today that you know they have some things to clean up before they can really help them win games in the SEC. But the one thing that stands out, there's a ton of talent there, and the future is very bright on both sides, honestly. It is. I mean, when you look at this off or this defense, excuse me, it's there's a lot to dream on there with those guys. Uh, I think on the offensive side of the ball next year, you can look at some very obvious holes, or not necessarily holes, but just potential, uh, potentially challenging guys to replace, most notably along the offensive line. And then, of course, with Terry at quarterback, we'll see where that goes. Um, but defensively, you know, even if you do lose, you know, you're going to lose Bohanna after this year with uh, graduation. Uh, Phil Hoskins is going to graduate, and Brendan Eccles, and maybe a few other guys. But, I mean, it seems like that's going to be a much easier spot to envision who's going to slide in and play these spots. I mean, matter of fact, come Saturday at Noseguard, speaking of Bohanna, that's probably going to be the rotation next year. McCall, Rogers, and Hayes in some kind of order, those guys are all going to be really important next season, and they're getting a chance here to do it. Um, I, I do want to mention one guy who didn't pop off the stat sheet by any means, but I thought Carrington Valentine when he got in there at corner next yeah. year. I'm going to make a bold prediction right now, Sean. You ready for it? Go for it. I'm going to say he starts opposite of Kelvin Joseph next year. I could see it. You could see it on the two the two uh, passes he defended Saturday. I mean, he was like glue, man. Like he was right there. He he had a swagger about him. You could tell when those guys got in, Derek, the thing that stood out to me is they knew it was garbage time, 34-7, to but they're like, this is my opportunity. And, like, let's say he gives up a touchdown there or something in that spot. But they're like, no, no more points. And I, I thought that was very encouraging, and I, I agree with that 100%. I think you're on to it, and I, I think you're right. And that's two very good guys on the outside for Kentucky. Kelvin Joseph, Derek, is – Mark Stoops talked about him today and how he was pressing early on, and I think I can see that because he he built himself to be a star with the fan base. He talked a lot of talk in the off season. He heard a lot of positive talk. I talked positively about him. You did, and but he he lived up to it the last two weeks, and that I think that's one thing that's kind of got this defensive the defense going the last two games. For sure, uh, you know he didn't really get too many balls thrown on him either. I don't think. I mean he's. He's done a good job. There's no question about it. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of good things to say about a lot of guys on the defense on Saturday, but to get that momentum rolling, uh, and that kind of leads me to my next point. And if it sounds like we're jumping around right here, I hope it's not. It's just, uh, you know, there's there's a lot to talk about Saturday still. Here we are two days later. And 
I thought, Sean, when I went back and watched, and I watched I watched a little bit of the SEC Network rerun last night. There was still some other things on TV. I was watching the uh, Game 7 of the baseball game, and then I was watching a little bit of the NFL game, so I didn't sit there with a pen and pencil or a notepad or whatever and take notes. But I thought Terry Wilson's accuracy pretty much from the second half on was – no, no, not exaggerating. I thought it was as good as it's been at Kentucky. I felt like every ball he threw in the second half was right where it needed to be. Even going back to that first half where Upshaw dropped the touchdown, that's right where it needed to be on that throw. Uh, I thought it was his best half. And even though the numbers aren't great, I mean, 12 of 15, that's a good completion percentage, but he only threw for, I think, 101 yards in the touchdown. He he did a really good job, and I think we need to tip our hat to Terry for – it was a shaky start, not just for him, but for the whole offense. But once they settled in, man, they looked they – looked, Pretty good in that second half. Derek, we're always honest on this podcast when it comes to evaluating guys. I mean, that's that's the way we're supposed to be. That's our job. That's why we get paid to do this. And we're being honest when we say he was incredible Saturday in that second half. The balls, like you said, they were right there where guys should should be making plays. Uh, Alan Daly come up with a big play on the touchdown. Some big catches there in the middle of the field. Josh Ali. Another guy that even Stoops said that that play on the first drive, it or the, not the first drive, was it? It was the was second it? drive. Second drive. It could have gone for six uh, yeah. if he kept it to the middle of the field. But it's good to see that they do have some guys like Alan Daly that's emerging in the passing game. You mentioned Michael Drennan earlier who's going to be an option. You know Bryce Oliver will be when he's 100%. Uh, maybe this is a passing attack that sort of gets better as the season goes along, which would be encouraging. But it starts with Terry and Derek. Yeah, we can sit here and say at times that he doesn't throw for 100 yards or he hasn't thrown for over 200 yards a lot and he doesn't look very efficient and making plays with his arms or maybe his decision-making is off sometimes. But you know what the common denominator is? He wins. He, he's found a way. They've found a way to win games with him at quarterback. has a lot of talent around him, but still, he's a winner. I mean, he's won at Louisville. He's won at Florida. He's won at Tennessee. Is he the only U.K. quarterback to do that in history? I would say so. Uh, I know that Ramsey was, I think, the only most recent. I will not say the only because I'm, I'm sure back in the 50s or whatever, someone beat Florida and Tennessee. But uh, Ramsey, I think, was the only one who had won at Florida and at Tennessee, and that was in the, what, 70s? So, yeah, it, it is impressive. That's what I wrote about Saturday. Uh, I think it's good. And I, I think I don't think we're unfair, honestly, to, to guys. I mean, after – what happened against Mississippi State. And to be completely honest, who knows what happened Saturday if Kentucky doesn't get those two pick sixes because the offense in the first quarter kind of looked a lot like it had against Mississippi State. And I don't think that was all Terry's doings by any means because uh, there were two plays particular in the first quarter that should have been executed much better for Gaines that uh, was was the result of bad decision-making or maybe just not strong enough running uh, by A.J. Rose. But as it was – when they started getting those RPOs down, uh, he hit Upshaw for a couple over the middle. Rodriguez, I mean, that's that's the guy to me, uh, Sean. Chris Rodriguez, to run this offense the way that they want to do it, he needs to be the guy back there with a little bit of mix, some other guys. But when Rodriguez gets in there and he's running hard like that, I mean, he was he was punishing some guys from Tennessee on Saturday. That There was one run there. I think it was on the possession that Allen Daly got the touchdown where – he got hit initially like two yards upfield and he pushed and put and ended up getting like a six or seven yard gain out of it. Then the, the yeah. move where he, he spun and bounced off somebody, uh, the agility you saw when he got to the outside and then threw the, the stiff arm and threw the Tennessee player to the ground. 
that's a guy, Derek, that I feel like when Benny was running in that backfield, that Kentucky as a collective team, they took on his personality and his toughness. And I think that that's the thing that I like about Rodriguez, and I think that he could bring to this offense is when you got a guy doing that, this offensive line's nasty. With yeah. like Saturday, they got they imposed their will. Like Landon Young was named SEC Offensive Lineman of the Week, and if you really weren't paying attention to the trenches, you really didn't know what Landon really did. I mean, you, you saw Drake making good blocks. You saw Fortner out there. Darian Kennard literally took a guy to the ground with his shoulder in the fourth quarter. Uh, Drake Jackson also had one of the funniest moments of the game too that we can't really uh, say on here, but you can go uh-huh, back yeah, and find can. it. Go for it. Say it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, fourth quarter, he's been whooping their ass all game, and he gets uh, thrown to the ground and has two Tennessee guys looking up at him, and he just throws uh, the double bird at him. I mean, yeah. that's, that's a kid, like, you wouldn't have gotten that from someone who didn't grow up in that rivalry. Like, Drake Jackson knew exactly what that game meant for a lot of people. And, uh, I mean, that's a kid who, I mean, you hear him in interviews, he's a pretty well-measured kid. Like, I don't know if you would have expected that. I mean, he's definitely got a mean streak. No, I mean, to play on the line, you have to. But, um, no, I thought that was one of the highlight, one of the funniest things from the game. Didn't even get flagged for it either. Like, the ref was right no. there, saw it happen, didn't, didn't care, just let it happen. Um, but, yeah, that along with J.J. Weaver being kicked uh, in, in the groin is what we'll say. Uh, kind of some odd, funny things, I guess, maybe that happened. Uh, in that game Saturday. But one other thing I want to say, Sean, maybe we can transition to something else. wanted to take a look at the SEC standings. I think it's probably yeah. a decent time to do it now. I mean, the year's almost halfway over uh, come Saturday. So it will be halfway over. Only one unbeaten team left now in the whole t- conference, and it's Alabama at 4-0. Everyone else has at least one loss. And they're um, going the distance. Alabama. Oh, yeah. actually, that was something I meant to tell you before we started this. Uh, if you get a moment, I'm going to read off these SEC standings. Go pull up Alabama's schedule if you don't mind. Take a look at that, and then I'm going to ask you a question once you see it, okay? okay? So this is how the SEC East looks right now. Georgia is on top of the 3-1 and one record, Florida second at 2-1, and one, and then you've got three teams in the East who are 2-2, two and two, those teams being Kentucky, South Carolina, Tennessee, and then Missouri, of course, had to not, they didn't play last week, so they're at 1-2. and two. And then Vanderbilt also 0-3. So you do have three teams on this side of the conference that have only played three games. Uh, and then in the West, backing up Alabama is A&M at 3-1. And, and then Arkansas, surprise at 2-2. Two two. Auburn's also 2-2. Two and, two. and then three teams with one win, that being LSU, Ole Miss, Mississippi State. So, Sean, any kind of takeaways from that before we get into the uh, Alabama schedule real quick? Arkansas. Uh, yeah. Laura Rutledge. Yes. Laura Rutledge. Yes. She, she knows what she's talking about. I'm telling you, I've I've told you multiple times. She's one of my favorite people to talk to. Uh, she labeled them as her surprise team, and she said even if they just win three games, it's a big deal. Well, it I mean, Derek, they should be three and one right now, if not for the bad call in the Auburn game. They had a, they had a chance to win that game. Uh, when you talk about Alabama's schedule, I think I might already know what you're going to ask me. Uh, when you look at the back end yeah. of that, Kentucky's there's a there's a chance that Kentucky could be their most difficult opponent. Yep. You look at that. Yep. They've got, who else they got? They got Tennessee, Auburn, Arkansas, yep. right? I think Arkansas. In order, in order, it goes at Tennessee, Mississippi State at home, at LSU, Kentucky at home, Auburn at home, at Arkansas. The, yes, the Auburn game is the Iron Bowl. It's a rivalry, but I don't see Auburn in any chance this year against that Alabama team. And, and I honestly the way LSU's can, defense has played, <laughs> no chance. And like Mississippi State's not good. 
Like no. uh, they're they're not. Uh, Arkansas and Kentucky. You could make case that's their two toughest games. It's at Arkansas, but I mean, does the, is that the CBS game of the week that week, or have they already labeled one for the twenty first? I don't know Kentucky. if they have or not. I would think Kentucky will have a decent chance to. They'll uh, at least be in the primetime spot, and that's the one encouraging thing that I think yeah. that you could take from that game is you get a national spotlight. I don't know what the score is going to look like, but Kentucky certainly has a an opportunity to perform well on national TV. Yeah, this is all very relative, by the way. Uh, I'm not suggesting Kentucky will beat uh, Alabama, as I definitely don't think that's going to happen. But in terms of strength of schedule, like – out of all those teams, I mean, I could see Kentucky maybe giving them the biggest – I don't know what challenge would mean because I do think, like, the way Alabama's offense is going, what they did against Georgia's defense, which I think is far and away the best in the country, or at least that was a thought coming into Saturday. What they did probably tells you that no one really has a chance against them. But at the same time, like, maybe Kentucky can do a little bit more against them than some of those other teams for sure. On well, that list. I was about to ask you, after seeing Georgia again – do you give Kentucky a shot to be in the fourth quarter and have a chance to win the game? Do you think that, that the Georgia game, do you think Kentucky can get to the fourth quarter with a chance to win? I think so. With the way Kentucky's defense has been playing, yeah, I think like they'll do enough, maybe similar to last year, not necessarily the way it played out just because of the rain last year, but like that was a physical game where Kentucky really hung in there for most of that contest. They didn't score, of course, but also it was in the rain. They had a wide receiver making a second start at quarterback. Well, I'll be curious to see how long Georgia continues to stick with Stetson Bennett. I, I guess they got a Bobby coming up, so I assume he'll still be the guy. But he didn't have a great game against Alabama. And Alabama's defense hadn't been phenomenal up to this point. I mean, they're, they're still a good unit, but not not like we've seen from the past with some of Alabama's teams. So I do think uh, – I still don't think they'll win. I just, I just think it's going to be a really tough game either way. But, yeah, like after what I've seen from UK these past few weeks – I definitely feel better about their chances than what I did. But, man, you really got to be able to – they'll have to really play flawless on defense. And, like, you'll need something similar to what happened Saturday, like uh, where your defense gets you maybe not touchdowns, but at least short fields and causes some turnovers. And just make it as easy as possible as you can on Kentucky's offense. But if UK does beat Missouri this weekend, that would be the game for Stoops. I think you will see them throw everything that they have absolutely uh, at Georgia. And you know, speaking of uh, you know throwing everything, and I, I don't know, I, was, I got to thinking of Kentucky's offense taking chances, and it made me think of Eddie Grant. We didn't even talk about this. His glasses fogged up. Uh, Derek, and on the second play of Kentucky's first offensive series, it was the play that just got blown up in the backfield. Uh, Stoops said the mask over Eddie's nose, it caused his glasses to fog up, and he couldn't even see his play sheet and what he was calling. And I thought that was a funny story today on Mark Stoops' uh, press conference. Yeah, he said it wasn't funny at the time uh, when A.J. Rose got blown up in the backfield. But uh, <laughs> it, it was funny to look at now and laugh. I've actually, not to the same degree because I, I don't wear glasses, um, but when I use my binoculars in the pregame and breathing through the mask, like my binoculars do get fogged up. So I have to like really control my breathing when I'm trying to look. So basically I'm holding my breath for like 10 seconds at a time whenever I'm trying to see who's on the field and who's not in pregame warm-ups. So not to the same level Eddie was, but I do understand that frustration. Yeah, uh, same thing with cameras too. I've been talking to photographers, and they say it fogs yeah. up, you know, the eyepiece there where they where they look in and at what they're trying to get in their frame. Uh, Derek, that's pretty much everything – with football 
and you will get into more of this as we go throughout the week, and then we'll have some guests. We'll target someone from Missouri to see if they can come on and, you know, give us uh, some scoop and some uh, maybe a depth chart and scouting report on them. Uh, but on the basketball side of things, we published that recruiting episode this morning, and I had to kind of edit it because we recorded it Friday and some things have happened since then. So just a couple of basketball notes. Let's start with the latest offer from Kentucky. Uh, Kentucky offered 2022 five-star Jalen Duran, a big man, uh, the number two player, Derek, in your all's 24-7 sport, uh, composite rankings for 2022. It's a big-time offer for Kentucky at a position that they've not been able to land the best. And this would be a big deal if they can get him. No question. Um, you know, they're starting to move into that kind of territory. I mean, these kids now, it's 2022 class, and those guys are juniors already. And if you get an offer this early, uh, and I know he's probably got 50 scholarship offers, but from Kentucky to send out an offer this early, it tells you that they probably think they've got a decent chance to get them. Um, I'm going to be interested. I see he plays at Montverde Route Academy, but I think isn't he originally from the Northeast. He is. He's from Philadelphia. Yeah, so he's a guy who uh, looks like – He's listed as a center, but he's only at 6'9". I don't know if he's grown since they've done this, but one of those guys who certainly looks pretty strong to be 220 at whatever age he is, That he could be the guy. I mean, there's not going to be a guy in this 21 class who's a center anyway in the high school ranks who gets them back to recruiting a elite big man, however you want to phrase that. But this kid, uh, number two in the country behind Emoni uh, Bates, I guess, is the, is the number one player who's considered one of the best high school prospects in the you know, last 10 years or whatever. So Rivals perhaps in another year, this is a, Okay, so yeah, you'll probably get some moves. I mean, this sounds like Cal's type of center to me. I mean, I know Cal loves the guys who are athletic and can block shots, but he also loves being able to throw that ball down to the post and just getting a bucket. And uh, I'm not dug into this kid too much, but just from – you look at his profile and his offers, um, probably going to have to compete with the G League for this kid. Yeah, and Scott Clark, 2022, will be announcing on Thursday. He'll be announcing between Kentucky, North Carolina, UCLA, and Memphis, Derek. So a lot of news coming this week. Uh, things are getting closer with Bryce Hopkins, uh, Hunter Salas, and things like that, too. We, we still have, have a lot to watch over the next mm, four weeks or so as we get into – signing period there in November. So I'd be watching for Kentucky basketball recruiting to significantly heat up over the next few weeks. Yeah, that will not be our last uh, basketball recruiting episode. Hopefully we can get someone either locally or uh, on a national scale. All of our national guys keep getting plucked away by NBA teams. So, uh, you know, hopefully we can reach out to somebody and might wait until it's kind of a conclusion somewhat to evaluate where they stand. Of course, Nolan Hickman, uh, will sign early. He's still the only commitment, but we've been wrong before on this, but I got to think given that the signing period is almost here for the fall, that this commitment list is going to look much different come two or three weeks from now. It will. That's uh, that's my prediction as well, is it will look significantly different. You'll have a more clear picture of exactly what Kentucky's class will look like. And uh, obviously they're, they're targeting some, some new guys, and then I think now you'll see the transition to 2022 being the biggest focus once they get some guys in this class. Uh, Derek, too, we had Bruiser Flint this morning on an interview. Uh, we're going through – that's how we're having to do Basketball Media Day this year because we're not allowed to do anything in person. We typically would get all this in like one or two days, but it's coming now over the course of – it looks like a full month 
of how they're going to cycle this through. Uh, one thing that stood out to me this morning was Bruiser talking about Devin Askew and his work ethic, and he he continued to just kind of just praise uh, the freshman guard from California. That one of the hardest he said it was the hardest working kid he's been around. Yeah, I mean that's a high praise. Uh, I did have to chuckle a little bit at Bruiser. I think he was I can't remember the exact question, but basically he was asked about just being at a program like Kentucky and just how astonished he is that they, they have one guy, Keon Brooks, who really had any kind of experience at Kentucky last year, of course, Sar and Mintz. Uh, I guess Mintz didn't play at all last year, but certainly has experience at a high level in the Big East and then Saar in the ACC. But that probably would be a real challenge. And, I mean, that's – I mean, obviously that was a guy who was with Cal in his early days. Uh, of course, one and done was on a thing back in the 90s to, to the extent that it is now. And Cal – I mean, I can see that being an eye-opening thing for Bruiser with the guy that the last time you were with him, the way that he built his program back then, and obviously some huge differences between UMass and Kentucky in the year 2020. But I, I just got to laugh at that from from Bruiser. I mean, that's going to be his challenge here at Kentucky. Is your this is maybe next year they'll have some more guys back more than normal. But uh, the longer he's at UK, the more he's going to have to get used to coaching brand new guys year in and year out. Yeah, you you could tell that he's not used to that, and this is a different animal. It, and I think too, he's been at a program like Indiana, and sure, like over the course of history, it's comparable, but it's it's not like in right now, like in, in where we are, uh, it's just completely different. And you could see it on his face. The he cracks me up the way he'll laugh sometimes, like when somebody asks him a question. He's I like Bruiser's personality though. I think that's the thing that I've got from the two or three Zoom calls we've had with him there, because I, I really like his personality. He mentioned, you know, somebody asked him about filling in for Kenny Payne, and that's kind of the spot that he took on the staff. But he mentioned that he's working with the guards, he's working with the bigs. It's a guy that has head coaching experience. So I mean that that's big just to have on staff and all that. But we will have is it Joel Justice is next? Is that the next guy we have Wednesday coming up, or is it a player? Is Clark this? I think Clark's Wednesday, right? And then Justice. And then no, we had Friday. Justice last week, didn't we? Yeah, Joel was last week. That yeah. that is right. Uh, I'm all out of whack here with this schedule. <laughs> it's so I almost forgot about the interview today. If I hadn't, have, I was actually getting on to get stuff ready for Stoops, and I found it in my email, and I'm like, oh my goodness, I got to get on on that call. But yeah, the basketball news is going to be picking up. One thing that I would be looking for pretty soon, Derek, to to release is Kentucky's basketball schedule. I think we're getting to the point to where that's got to come out. Because, I mean, technically, they they play in a month, a week from, well, it'll be a month next week when that MTE in Lexington will be taking place the November 25th week. That's going to be a busy week because you're going to have that Lexington multi-team event. Kentucky football is going to be in Florida. That's going to be a busy week for us on this show. It will be. Um, this is always the busiest time of the year for – I mean, it's, it's great for fans. You get the overlap. You get to watch basketball. And typically, you know, you get the one big game in basketball at the Champions Classic. And then for eh, about the next month or so, it's mostly lower-level teams who come to Rupp Arena. And then you get to finish up the football season. But it's a, a crazy work time that will be – a lot easier this year, I guess. Just, I mean, it'll still be a lot of work, but it won't be as much travel. It'll be all done virtually. So, looking forward to seeing how that's going to play out. But, man, really hard to believe that the college basketball season, I mean, they might have been playing their first scrimmage, what, a, a week? I don't know, end of October usually, right? 
Madness would have been like a week ago. It already happened. Yeah. So you would be moving into you know Halloween weekend probably as their first exhibition at the end of the month. Hey, and do you, you think Biblical Madness will kind of the money they invest into that? How long do you think it'll take before that becomes a thing again? That seems like something you could kind of really cut down on until the budget can get back in order after all the COVID uh, financial impact. Well, considering that they paid the buffer to you know buffer to come in and announce, you know, he got a pretty good check, and then all the all the the stuff I mean, the screen that they put over yeah. the the floor didn't one year didn't it cost like a million dollars or something just to yeah, I mean typically they spend hundreds of thousands on on this event, and I gotta think. I mean, how much did it really help in recruiting like now? Did it really help that much? I wonder if they'll do something, though, for the fans at some point in November. They should air a – just like a live stream of practice is what they should. They should. They should. And I think that they will look at doing something like that, honestly. You know, football had that virtual fan day event back in August or September. I think it was early September. So I could see basketball putting on some type of event, and I think they will. I mean, they're already trying to kind of make these guys available. They're, they've been having them on some different things. And they and honestly, Derek, I, it's good John Calipari came out and gave a practice report. It was good to see that they're putting some video out from the first weekend of practice. That way, I mean, fans are in the same boat we are. We're not getting to see anything either. Yeah, this is definitely the, the – I feel like the – one, you had the whole – basically the whole roster is different, but two, it's just like I feel like I don't know anything about these guys, and it's going to be weird to you know, not interview any of these people in person, and then they're just going to show up on the TV, and yeah. I, I don't know. It's just – I mean, we don't get to really see – Kentucky basketball access is extremely limited, especially when you compare it to any other program on uh, Kentucky's campus, so it's always a bit of a – I don't know. I just don't really know what to expect unless you've seen these kids in AAU. But even then, I mean, I feel like they make some major strides just from their few months at Kentucky. So either way, uh, that'll be exciting. And at a certain point, we will know whether Olivier Sarr is going to be allowed to play this year. We will find out eventually. I don't know when, but we will find out. We will definitely find out, and we already have a guest lined up. Whenever the net news breaks, Dick Vitale will join us, Derek, at some point to – Discuss that news. We'll we'll be joined by uh, Dickie V and his uh, Tampa Bay Rays going to the World Series. He was fired he was, up. He's so fired up about that. Uh, what a, I mean, what a wild two series there. You know, the, the Braves blew their lead. The Rays almost blew theirs. Uh, but the World Series is set, and things feel normal to some extent. World Series baseball. We've already crowned an NBA champion. The Masters is coming up in the month of uh, November too. So it's uh, a lot of stuff happening here. College basketball is right around the corner. Kentucky football is now back on track, 2-2. Two and two. Next up is a matchup at Missouri. That's a 4 p.m. Eastern time kick Saturday from Columbia. I still don't know if I'll be there or not. My streak may die, because, and it will be because of me. Derek, I just don't know if I see the benefit of traveling to Missouri. Like you said earlier, I may be the only person in the press box from Kentucky if I decide to go. Yeah, I won't be making that drive. Uh, my least favorite place to go. Sorry to any Missouri fans who might run across this podcast this week. Uh, still not really sure. I mean, here's here's my thing. I was talking to my brother about it. Missouri needs to be in the SEC West, and Auburn needs <laughs> yeah. to be in the SEC East. That's how it needs to be. I mean, I agree uh, with the that. distance from Auburn, I mean, Auburn is basically in Georgia. It's like barely across the state line. Uh, I get it. You know, you got the history with some of those teams in the West, but. I mean, that's a shorter drive, I feel like, to Auburn. They're just the same as it is to some other schools. I don't know. It's 
Terrible place to watch a game, I'll say that. My least favorite place I think I've watched an SEC football game, besides Vanderbilt. But, I mean, to be honest with you, you just don't really count Vanderbilt for anything uh, anymore, just with the lack of caring that they have down there. And Missouri is just, I don't know. Maybe the wildest UK game I'd watched, though, was there two years ago. Yeah, uh, absolutely. That was uh, definitely definitely a wild game. But Kentucky will look to get above 500 with a win on Saturday at Missouri. We'll have all that coverage for you this week here on Kentucky Daily. We'll preview it. Uh, we'll have guests on, and then we'll talk whatever breaking news happens over the next four days. But this has been another episode of Kentucky Daily. We'll catch you tomorrow. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.